Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. I was just reading a really nice Google My Business review. Um, so thank you for thank you to Kimi, who is a gal, and uh, Kimi happens to be Julie and I's favorite Formula One driver, <laughs> who none of you guys probably care about, uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Um, but anyway, I'm sounding crazy right now. Point is, <laughs> thank you very much, Kimi, for leaving us a really nice review on Google My Business. I was literally just typing a uh, response. I'm hitting post reply. Boom, done. So. We are going to finish up where we left off yesterday, and the topic, Miss Julie, is? Yes, the topic that we started yesterday is how to transition from part-time dabbler to full-time real estate rock star. Even if you are not a dabbler all the time, some of you are dabblers part of the time. So we have a list, a, literally a checklist of rules that you must abide by if you want to actually make the income of a full-time rock star. So that's the topic today, and we'll be wrapping it up today. Yes, and so make sure you listen to the first part of the show. That's really important that you guys listen. When we do these two-parters, listen to the first part and the second part. Otherwise, the second part is going to seem hopefully valuable, but not as much so as if you'd read you know, the whole book, right? Seen the whole movie opposed to just the second half. We really do put a lot of effort into these podcasts, try to make it so that it has real drilled down, you know, no BS information that you guys can put into uh, you know, use immediately, helping others and make money. That's really what we focus on. And we hate fluff, and I know you guys do too. Our audience are people that are tired of fluff, tired of woo-woo, tired of mindset Mickey Mouse. You guys are the ones that want to actually be in, the, uh, you know, be in action, helping others and make money, and that is where we come, as, come from as well. The heart of service, really, right? Isn't that what we're all talking about? So listen, when Julie's going through her points, the second uh, part of this series, you know, first part was the other day, I want you to really realize that unless you're a listing agent, unless you're doing proactive prospecting, lead generation every single day, unless you're really your primary aim in your business is, uh, from a business perspective is being a listing agent and focusing on making a profit, unless those are your primary thoughts, you are a dabbler. If you're somebody who's trying, working on, creating, working on your brand, working on your logo, working on your this, the other thing, if you're trying to – listen, listeners, please write this down. By the way, I didn't say this. Charlie Munger said this. He's the guy that started um, uh, you know, the business with um, – I'm having a total and complete brain fart. It doesn't matter. I'll remember in a second when I stop trying to remember. So here's what he said, Charlie Munger, with Warren Buffett, by the way, Berkshire Hathaway. All right, so he said – Make your work famous. Don't try to be famous yourself. That's not an exact quote, but that's the gist of it. So don't try to be famous yourself. Make your work famous. And how do I translate that? Is try to make the results you get for others famous. In other words, you get the job done. You sell the house. You sell the house when others couldn't. You sell the house when others wouldn't. You sell the house regardless of what the market situation is. You're able to get the listing. You're able to solve the problems. You are the person who gets the job done. Try to make the results you get for others famous, not yourself. That's personally what Julie and I do. 
Julie and I have no interest whatsoever in being stage monkeys or being celebrities or, you know, trying to be a guru or all these other sort of egoy things that you see virtually everybody else that's competing with us. They try to do that. They're trying to make themselves famous. I don't want to be famous. Julie does not want to be famous. I think you guys get that about us. We want the results that we help you generate in your business to be famous. That's it. And I want you guys to consider thinking about, am I finding myself, this is a question you'd ask yourself, am I finding myself being attracted to things that are designed to appeal to my ego? And when you look at the stuff that's being sold to agents right now, it's not stuff that will ever make you money. So why the hell are you doing it? Is the answer because of your ego? Is the answer because you have this innate desire to be famous? And what's that all about? I mean, I'm not Dr. Phil, but really it's kind of obvious, isn't it? People that go out of their way to try to be famous, it doesn't matter if they're actors or celebrities or whatever. What they're really, really trying to do is they're trying to feel appreciated. They have some sort of, you know, something inside of them that really needs the adulation of strangers. A lot of people are in the real estate industry not to make a profit, not to make a profit, listeners, but to be famous. So when you see agents walking around with their big teams and they have their you know, big egos and they're all puffed up and a lot of them try to come off philosophical like they're Buddha, you see a lot of that that's happening in our industry right now. You have to understand what those people are in the business of is wanting to be famous. That is their currency. That's their payoff. I'm not here – look, that's not for us. That's not for our coaching clients, that approach to business. But I understand it. I've coached people like that before. They literally don't have much interest whatsoever in ever being rich where their money works for them and they no longer have to work for their money. They just want to be famous. You know, if you guys look, think about this. How many stories have you heard about famous actors, anybody really, it doesn't matter, who were really, really famous, but it turned, and you saw them everywhere. They were, you just thought, oh my gosh, this person's got to have a trillion dollars. And then it's not three or four years later, that you find out basically they had no money in the first place. What they were doing is they hired publicists. They hired marketing. They did all this stuff to make themselves famous because fame itself was their currency. Fame itself was what they wanted to have as a result of their business, not money, not profit. You guys understand that. If you understand that, you're going to be liberated from ever being seduced by virtually – 99% of all the crap that's being sold to agents right now. It's kind of insane, guys. It really, truly is. You know, you get into this business to essentially, you know, a lot of agents will, if you really cut through it, you run into some of these agents that like to talk about selling 600 houses a year, and they have these big teams. We coach people like that. They come to us when the economy changes. When the economy slows down the next 24 months, I promise you, Julie and I, just like last time, are going to get emails out the wazoo from people saying, I should have listened to you guys. I should have done what you suggested. It's happened every single time. In most cases, they, have wait, they will have waited too long. They'll have no money. They'll have no net worth. And essentially, they'll basically lose whatever they had created during their run-up. And these cycles are very, very predictable. Julie and I have been in the business for 20 years. We saw this big spin up the ego marketing in the 90s, then there was a recession in 2000, and then it happened again, then it happened again, and it happened again. Same thing is basically being set up to happen again. So you've got to be really clear about why you're in business. You're in business if you're a business person because you understand that your product is profit. And you understand that the only way that you make profit is if you're able to deliver a superior product, which is, you know, 
what you produce uh, in a way that basically appeals to enough people. In other words, if you don't have everything in life that you want, it's simply because you have yet to accept the fact there's a direct correlation a direct relationship between the number of people that you help and the amount of stuff and the experiences and the quality of your life that you're able to enjoy. That's it. That's the correlation. Help more people accomplish their goals. You will have more of your own goals accomplished. If you're not, if you're living in scarcity, if you're not experiencing the abundance that you want in your life in any aspect of your life, it's because you're not helping enough people. So how do you cure that? You learn how to be a listing agent. You learn how to solve other people's problems. And then you wash, rinse, repeat. And you do that enough times, you will find yourself in a very short while having your whole entire life change. It's not complicated, guys. It's when all the ego bullshit starts flowing into your mind. That's when it gets confusing. Because then you're thinking, well, I need to work on my brand. I need to you know, do a direct mail campaign. I need to buy these predictive zip code mailing systems. I need to do all this other stuff. No, you don't. You don't need to do any of it. But Tim, Julie, everybody else is telling me I need to spend all my time and money on all these other things. Well, of course they are. They're trying to sell it to you, <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs> trust, trust your inner skeptic. It's, it's right. They're just trying to sell you stuff. So keep your head clear, guys. You know, yesterday I started off by saying you're either, you know, you're one of three ways in the business right now. You're behind the curve. You're have, not having a great year. You're on track, you know, but you're kind of on a nice edge. You could go either way or you're way ahead of the curve. Regardless of wherever you are, you've got to realize that if you are allowing yourself to spend too much time being a dabbler, you will lose. You'll lose the, the agent who not, hasn't even gotten out of the gates yet. You're not going to even get out of the gates. You're going to lose this whole year. The agency is on the knife's edge. As soon as you start listening to all the Facebook ads and all the other stuff that you're supposed to be doing, whatever, whatever, and believing it, then you're going to lose momentum in your business. And the top producing agent, look to see where your deals came from. Look to see why you're having your best year ever. It's not all the gimmicks, is it? You're not making money. Look at your listings. Look at your closing boards. I do this every week with our private coaching clients, our elite coaching clients. You know, these are coaching clients that pay Julie and I $25,000 a year. They work directly with Julie and I, and Julie and I only take a handful of them, okay? Right now, I think I don't, I'm not taking any clients, and neither is Julie. And every single call, these are agents who have been with us, a lot of them have been with us for a long time, and they make a lot of money, millions of dollars per year. And every single call, what we're doing is we're focusing on business first. We're focusing on where the deals are coming from, what do they need to put more deals in contract. We're focusing on the practical and the tactical. And then once a month, we review, where did all your closings come from? Because I'm doing that to remind them. And every single one of them, occasionally they'll get some lead from, maybe they're doing something that's marketing. But you'll see a vast majority of their business comes from doing the proactive work in their business. And then when you have the same conversation with a dabbler, they don't have consistent business to really analyze, and if they do, it's expensive. Oh, that, that was a referral. I paid a 40% referral fee. Oh, that one was a this, the other thing. They're making no profit. So you guys have to understand that in real estate, fortunately, there's a lot of paths to follow, but unfortunately, if, or fortunately as well, if you're wanting to create a lot of profit in your business, there's even fewer paths to follow, but it's easy to believe that there's lots of ways to accomplish success. It's easy to believe that you can create your own business around your own ego, around your creative endeavors. Oh, I'm going to build a business around my, you know, it's like an art project for some of you. Don't think of it like that. Think of this as a way to help people and make money and that money's, you know, the revenue should produce profit with that profit. You reinvest it and you get rich. Keep things pure and simple. Keep things honest. 
And then you'll find yourself having, by the way, a heck of a lot less stress. So, Julie, let's finish out where we left off yesterday. Yes. So just to segue into that, because this is all related, you said something really key. Some people, some of our podcast listeners may not even be getting off the ground because they're not clear on this stuff. So just a reminder, go to Amazon, get the Harris Rules book. It's easy to find. It's called Harris Rules. Here's a quick review. Just licensed and signed in with an office. However, I've been listening to Tim and Julie's podcast for a few months. No brainer. Buy the book. I'm early on in my career and already seeing what Tim and Julie say is truth. For example, at a class in my office, an agent who's been in the business for 10 years says that he, quote, just isn't seeing how Zillow's working for him, given the amount of money he pays every year. He just dropped them and is going back to, quote, the old way of doing things. If he would have been listening to Tim and Julie, he would have dropped them a long time ago and saved a whole lot of time and money early on. Thanks to you two uh, for early insight. I'm reading your book and integrating it into my life one step at a time. I am planning on getting a coach here within the next few months, and I'm reaching out as soon as I surpass my initial goal numbers. So that's from any number of you guys who can relate to that, listening to the podcast, making sure you don't make early on mistakes. So whether that's you or whether you are the grizzled veteran who has become a dabbler because you've lost your way, this podcast is for you. Again, make sure you catch yesterday's uh, podcast, which was the first half of this. So I believe that we ended on uh, point number 10, Tim. Correct me if I'm wrong. Business plan. You must have and follow a business plan, the treasure map, the survival plan, or the 90-day massive action plan. All good choices and require all of the previous points to be in place. Of course you get that with coaching. Many of you guys have kind of thrown a business plan together. Maybe you downloaded one free on the Internet, but you're not using it. It's not working for you. Get a real business plan that is based on real business. You know, product is your, prof- your, product is your profit. That's what our business plans are based on, keeping it real for you. Point number 11, accountability. You must track your business visually using the whiteboard method. And I think we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Out of sight is out of mind. You can CRM yourself all you want to. Spreadsheets, save them, have little pop-up reminders, I don't care. But it's out of sight, out of mind. That's why some of you, if I were to call you right now and ask you how many closable leads are you working with right now, you have to scramble and try and look it up somewhere versus our coaching clients who simply look at their whiteboards. That doesn't mean they don't have spreadsheets and they're not obviously being accountable uh, formally, but they can at a glance tell you how many active listings they need versus how many they have, how much money they have pending versus what they need to have pending. Are they on track ahead or behind? How many buyer leads? How many seller leads? How many closed deals do they have? It's all at a glance. That's what visual accountability is about. And it, I mean, I could go on because it's so magical, and those of you who do it, you know. And people post all over the private Facebook page their uh, whiteboard numbers as an added accountability tool. So point number 12, daily minimum standards. Daily. You must have and follow daily minimum standards regarding your money, your health, and your mindset. Mint.com for your money is great. Daily workouts of some sort. Of course, we talk about Orange Theory Fitness all the time. Absolutely does the trick for your health and a media-free morning for your mind are good starting standards. But this is day in and day out, not on the days that you feel like maybe being accountable to the goals that you claim are important to you. Daily minimum standards, just like, hopefully all of you, you have a daily minimum standard of brushing your teeth. You have a daily minimum standard, hopefully, of waking up at the same time every time. You have a daily minimum standard, our coaching clients do, of never ending the day with leads yet to follow up on, following urgency. 
So create your daily minimum standards. We've got a whole section in uh, Premier Coaching about that to help you out. But start simple, media-free morning, track your money, and work out. These things go hand in hand. We did a podcast uh, talking about the relationship between fiscal responsibility and physical results. In other words, when you work out and follow that discipline, strangely you typically get more disciplined about your money and vice versa. So anything you want to hover on there, Tim, or shall I continue? Nope. Keep going. All right, perfect. So point number 13, good filters. Don't listen to – this is – real estate so full of this – don't listen to, follow, take advice, or coaching, with air quotes around it, from anyone who hasn't actually done what you're trying to do at a high level for a really long time. False gurus will give you inconsistent results. How many of you guys listen to random agents in your office talking about some random thing that they're trying out? That's not coaching. That's guessing. Some of you guys, I mean, I've got so many uh, reports from people saying, you know, so-and-so, whether it was an office manager or another agent in their office or maybe even their broker, suggests that they go try this. That's kind of like outsourcing your education. If you're going to do that, that's okay as long as you're following a proven system. We actually sold real estate at a high level for a really long time and have been coaching for a long time. Be careful who you're paying attention to. If you don't know that they've done what you need to do, if not 10 times that for 10 years longer, I don't know why you would follow them. I, I, it's, there's too much trusting of, you know, try this out and go spend your money on that, see how it goes. So have good filters. Point number 14, commitment. This is really critical. You cannot be one foot in and one foot out, quote, trying real estate out and seeing how it will go. You must be 110% all in for you to be a rock star. Yoda said, just to nerd out on you, there is no try, there is only do or do not. And Tim, sometimes I think about our early career that in a sense it was a blessing that when we got into real estate, we didn't really look at it as an option. We were paying off student loans. We were sharing a car at the time. You know, I don't think we ever had a single thought that it wasn't going to work out or that we were going to try it out. Do you remember any of that? I, you know, it's kind of a secret well, blessing. Well, Julie, let's be, on, let's be completely and totally transparent. Let's be yeah. completely and totally transparent, okay? So not only did we not have any money, but the clothes that we bought for when we got – this is when we were basically right out of college. We went to a thrift shop, and that's where we got our business clothes. <laughs> you know, The pictures you see yeah. when National Association of Realtors did that story on us of where the clothes look like they don't fit for crap, it's because they didn't fit for crap because we got them from a, you know, a thrift shop. Yeah, Julie's clothes, my clothes. That was it. That's the truth. We lived in this little dinky 800 square foot house, but we bought that house when we were still in college. It was our first real estate investment. You know, we Julie and I were the thing that we did that I, in retrospect, I realized it was a, the rare thing, is we didn't quit too soon. We didn't give up when we were halfway across the bridge. We stayed the course, and. The reason that we did that is because I can't say we never lost focus because we had. We, there were several occasions when we meandered. But at the end of the day, we always stayed focused on the things, same things we asked you guys to focus on. We didn't get into this real estate business to be famous. We didn't get in this real estate business to you know, get the adulation of strangers. We got in this real estate business because Julie and I wanted to be rich. And we had defined rich – as in not we didn't even have a definition of it, but we knew we wanted to have rental properties. You know, we knew we wanted to have rental properties that were paid off, that were cash flowing. We knew enough to know that's something that you should be desirous of. And so we always stayed 
the course on that particular mission. Back when we sold real estate for the first while, we you know we mortgaged them. We didn't have we couldn't pay cash for them, and now we pay cash for them. But we still buy rental properties because really the way you benchmark your business, if you're going to benchmark your business at all, is you have to base it on profit. And what we we had a you know every year for the first few years we were at the end of the year. Julie and I would go on what we called the Harris Summit. Now, granted, it was just the two of us, but it would be a nice way to rationalize a vacation. So we not very expensive places, but we went to different places. We'd have our little Harris Summits, and we always look back. This was like in January. We always look back at our year, and we would always have a conversation about what are we most proud of. And I remember every year for the first three or four years we were in the business, it was very clear. We uh, bought three rental properties. We have no debt. We da 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 So there are very clear things. But then what happened is we started meandering. Our egos started to enter into the, you know, into the fray. The Howard Brinton stuff started to basically get us off track. And then we started selling more houses and making more money and getting more awards and recognition. But we stopped buying rental properties. And it was like one of these aha moments. Why are we – why do we give a crap about more stuff to hang on our wall or more people that want to – I mean, we, Julie and I were so famous during that time that when we were going to events or coming back from events, we would have – we had more than one occasion when peop, we were sitting in an airport and people would line up to get our autographs. I mean, this is pre-internet, so let's just put this in perspective, right? I mean, the world was clearly thirsting for people to, you know, but it was weird and it was it, it was disingenuous from our perspective because we were we realized when we had our little Harris summit that we had sacrificed our ability to continue to buy rental properties and become rich for fame. And I can see how it was seductive because it was seductive for us. We were probably on the wrong path for two years, maybe a year and a half, and then we then we got back on the, on the right path, and we started buying rental properties again. And what we did to keep ourselves disciplined on buying rental properties when we sold real estate, now I know you all can do this because you don't have to buy properties in your own backyard, but Julie and I always tried to make it so that we had, were buying at least a property a quarter. Uh, so we'd put one on contract, and ideally it was one of our listings that we could double in, if it was, it was even better if it was a guaranteed sale because we could even roll more money into the deal. And then we tried to buy one a quarter. And that was – did we always do it? No. But we did we always have – so when we were having these conversations about money and about, well, what do you think about this marketing idea? What do you think – it's like, okay, is that going to bring us closer to buying a rental property or further away? And that's how – that was our true north because that cut through all the bullshit. That made it so we are always accountable to the greater goal of being rich where our money worked for us and we no longer had to work for our money. Otherwise, why are you in the business? Why are you in the, Some of you dabblers are just in the business because so you want to earn enough money to take your kids to Disney World. I get that. I don't judge that. Okay, Real estate will allow you that. It's true. Some of you guys are just doing it because you're looking – again, it's a supplemental income thing, and that's perfect. That's fine. But even if you are approaching it like that, realize the amount of money you're getting paid per hour when you're not focusing on listings. You guys get – some of you get into the business every year, and you try to pick off two or three buyers, and then you, you know, put a few thousand dollars in the bank, and you take your kids to Disney World, buy them back-to-school clothes. I mean, I hear all this. Okay, we've been doing this forever. I get it. It's fine. It's great. I'm glad real estate provides that income for you. But you're still – you would be better off, many of you, if you just got a job at Starbucks because the amount of time you're spending with those buyers just to try to find them a house. If you had focused on becoming a listing agent, you can actually be a listing agent part-time 
a thousand times more easily than you can be a buyer's agent part-time because a seller is not going to require that you go out every night and weekend to try to find them a house. Okay? So if you have a choice, if you're just going to be a part-timer, that's fine. We're the only ones in the industry that say it's fine, but I really do believe it's fine. As a matter of fact, some of the part-time agents are more professional than the agents that are full-time because your full-time job, some of you, is being something really important, you know? I mean, we, we've had people that were, um, I don't want to talk about their particular jobs, but they were significant people in their companies. They worked for somebody else. Some of them were executives. They wanted to do real estate on the side because they something they always wanted to do, Remember, you know, whatever it was that attracted to them, and they kicked ass. They would do real estate Friday and Saturday, and they wouldn't work on Sunday. They'd just focus on listings. They would proactively lead generate. They'd always try to have three to five listings, no, not a lot, at once, so they could easily service them. Sellers didn't know they weren't full-time. They didn't care as long as the house is sold. That's not a bad business model, guys. But that only comes from being a listing agent. They wouldn't work with any buyers. Any buyer leads they got, they would refer off to other agents and get referral fees. I don't know about you, but if you're going to be a part-timer, that's a good way to do it. And there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, some of you guys should never be full-time in real estate. And we're the only ones to tell you that, too. Some of you guys, Julie touched on this yesterday, have such sweet, normal employment that it would be crazy for you to give that up. It would be crazy for you to give up that security for you and your family. So just do real estate on the side. So, Julie, how many more points do you have, or are we about done? I have only one more point, but it's an important one having to do with coaching. Don't waste time, money, effort, and stress on trying to, quote, do it your way or recreate the model or, you know, recreate real estate, all these, you know, big thoughts. Follow a proven profitable path and shorten your learning curve so your earning curve can keep climbing. It does work that way. Why would you want to reinvent the wheel when you can follow a proven system? I mean, I, I wish that there had been coaching back when we got into real estate. When we did our version of coaching, we went to shadow people that we, you know, respected and seemed to have really strong businesses. We couldn't even afford the airfare. We had to drive out. You know, that was kind of primitive coaching and guessing back in the day. You guys have it all laid out for you. And in Premier Coaching, we talk about all of this all the time. What is the fastest path to doing this? If you want to be a BPO cash flow agent and get your overhead covered, we give you the top BPO companies, how to sign up for them, what your resume should look like, what you should expect, how to do BPOs, and how to monetize it. That's just one tiny little piece of the puzzle. I just think it, you do yourself a disservice to hunt and peck around the Internet, around different events, trying to cobble together your specific plan. Just write down the word focus. Follow one course until successful. It's actually a lot less stressful. Back to you, Tim. And we've already created for you. All you guys got to do is exactly what we've created for you. We, really, we've already done all the heavy lifting. It's your one-stop shop for basically getting to where you want to go. So listen, guys, um, we have to wrap. Julie, excellent job, and good job, and have a good uh, you know, session on PC. Premier Coaching Clients, remember to attend the coaching session Julie does next live. You always get more out of the call. Um, Julie is logging in there now. And for the rest of you, if you guys need a free coaching call, just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. If there's anything I can do to help you in the meantime, always feel free to email me at tim at timandjulieharris.com. Have a great day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, 
visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.